things that were in Jesus, that were manifested forth from Jesus. But Jesus said, look, all these things are in me, but as far as them flowing from me and producing results in this physical realm, can't do that without my Father. Can't do that apart from my Father. And so, anyway, just some backdrop for some things that we're going to talk about tonight that I want you to just begin to, you know, introduce into your heart and mind, your spirit, okay? Um, we said through the new birth that Father created a new reality inside of you, a new reality inside of you. At the root of that word reality is the word real, amen? If something is real, it is a reality. And so we've got an inward reality of the new birth. It's a new reality inwardly, amen? Now I'm going to use the word real again in a different way. Father wants you to realize in your life reality the inward reality of the new birth that is within you already. Amen. So real reality, realization, realize. We're talking about something real. We're talking about something real. Now, see, I I think a lot of folks, when it comes to the things of God, they, they don't it's almost like they think of everything as being figurative. Everything is, is metaphorical. Everything is a parable. No, so, no, no. no. So we, we're talking about something real now. We're talking about real righteousness. We're talking about real freedom. We're talking about real prosperity. We're talking about real peace. We're talking about real joy. We're talking about real purpose. We're talking about real contentment. We're talking about real meaningfulness. We're talking about real fruit. We're talking about real dominion real authority, real identity, amen, real, I'm not talking about something pretend, I'm not talking about something sort of like, I'm talking about the real thing, real, amen, real life, praise God, I'm not just getting loud because of the rain, I, just, I'm getting, I get stirred up about this, amen, see religion don't want you to think any of it's real, religion doesn't want you to think any of it means what it says, Religion wants you to think everything in the Bible is something that you can do without God. Speak with new tongues means you don't cuss anymore. Unless you get really mad and even then God understands. Right? Because Jesus got mad and turned over some tables in the temple. So you got right to lose your temper every now and then too. Just just on and on, right? Everything being about what you can do with your own strength, your own ingenuity, your own intellect. And that self-righteousness... And it's, as, it's, a, it's like a, a pile of dirty rags to God. It means nothing to Him. It's like a dirty diaper. It means nothing to Him. Okay? So, Father created a new reality inside of you through the new birth. But as we've said over and over again, you do not have to be aware of something or even understand that thing for that thing to be real. Something can be real that you're not aware of and know nothing about, and it doesn't make it any less real. Now, one of our key verses for this is Philemon, verses 4 through 6. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus Christ and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in 
Christ Jesus. By the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Now, the Bible says that you are in Christ. If you've been born again, you were born into Him. And now you're growing up into Him. But the same Bible that says you're in Christ also says that Christ is in you. Amen. So which one is it? It's both at the same time. Amen. You're in Him and He's in you. And because you're in Him, everything that's true about someone who is in Him is true about you right now. And because He's in you, everything that's true about Him is true about you in you right now. Amen. Amen. So He's saying that because He has put good things in you and you're in Him and He's in you, that we need to acknowledge. We need to acknowledge every good thing which is in you because you are in Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus is in you. To acknowledge it. You see, you need to acknowledge your gift of righteousness. You need to acknowledge that He has made you free. You need to acknowledge. Amen. Right? So acknowledge means that you recognize from the Word of God that there's something true about you inwardly, that there may not be any evidence yet outwardly to support or prove. That He made you righteous, and you believe you are, because again, it's righteousness by faith, not because you've gotten everything lined up perfectly in your life, and you're just hitting on all cylinders in your holy walk and in your righteous walk. No, it's, it's you acknowledge that He made you righteous. And because He made you righteous, you be righteous. And because you be righteous, you now have the wherewithal to live righteously. We're talking about an acknowledgement now. An acknowledgement. So this is what we need to know because we're talking about the inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. And when we talk about an outward expression of life, we're talking about something you can see. You will never see what you never acknowledge. If you never acknowledge the righteousness that you've been made, the freedom that you've been made, the, 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 the wisdom that you've been made, the joy and the peace that, that, that now resides within you, the, the wisdom and the power and the authority, that ne- if you never acknowledge it, you'll never see it in your life reality. You'll never see what you never acknowledge, and you cannot acknowledge what you have no knowledge of. Notice at the root of acknowledge is the word knowledge. Now, God says His people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, and they lack knowledge not because there's no knowledge available, but because they've rejected knowledge. We see that His mighty men have a a hunger that can't be satisfied and a thirst that can't be quenched. Again, lack of knowledge. That's Isaiah 5 and 13. The, the last one I mentioned, the first one, people destroyed for lack of knowledge, Hosea 4, 6. Satan has an advantage over us, according to um, 2 Corinthians 2, 11, if we're ignorant of his devices. So you cannot acknowledge what you have no knowledge of. Now, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 supports this as well. It says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. The excellence of the power, the superiority of the power may be of God 
and not of us. Now, if we have time, we're going to come back and build on that scripture some more. But I've left us hanging two Wednesdays in a row on some things that I really want to try to go back and and wrap up tonight. And thank you, Holy Spirit. You remember last week when I was like, um, there's some things that I was looking for in my notes and some some reason it didn't translate into what the copy that I had. And I apologize for that. But um, let me... Let's go back to the idea, how, how, do, how do we receive knowledge of these new birth realities? How, how, how do we see them? Well, we see them in a mirror. Remember what we've said a few times already about a mirror. A mirror is intended, it, in other words, we don't need a mirror to see what we can see without a mirror. We need a mirror um, to see what we can't see any other way but in a mirror. I can see my hand. I don't need a mirror for my hand. I don't need a mirror for, for my arm or my, or my knee or whatever. Okay. But I need a mirror for my face. Can't see my face without a mirror. You cannot see the, the realities of your new birth without the mirror of God's Word. Now, we use a mirror to see what we can't see otherwise. Now, here's, again, maybe we made this point already, but let's reinforce it. Is it possible for me to have something on my face and not know about it? I don't know about you, but we've probably all had some, you know, embarrassing things, you know. We won't go into details, but you probably understand what I'm talking about here, all right? So let me watch this now. The Holy Spirit's going to help us. So I think we all agree that it's possible that we could have, you know, oatmeal from morning breakfast on our chin and not know it, okay? Is it still there even if I have no knowledge of it? See, you know, you, you just got the big glob of maple brown sugar oatmeal on your chin and you, and you, don't, you don't know that it's there, right? But just because I have no knowledge of it doesn't mean... It's not there. What if I look into a mirror and never acknowledge it? Does that mean it just automatically falls off my face? No. Whether I have knowledge of it or whether or not I acknowledge it, okay? Does that mean it's not true or does that make it go away? So not being aware of something does not make it go away nor does it cause it to be unreal or no longer real. Being unaware, however, will hinder your ability to benefit from the thing that you have no awareness of. See, before before we can really get into acknowledging, we've got to be made aware. To be made aware of something means that you previously had no knowledge of it, but now you have knowledge. Well, before you can... Um, and, and there's a long list of words, maybe we'll get into them next week. But before you can actually, uh, you know, become aware of something, you've got to acquire it. We're not, when we talk about acknowledging every good thing that's in you, we're talking about men and women who've been born again, who actually have something in them to acknowledge. And, and we're acknowledging what we acquired uh, through the new birth that we've been made aware of, right, through the Word of God. But do you realize how many people who, who have acquired new birth realities, and have some awareness of them, still never acknowledge them as, as, as belonging to them and as residing in them. 
Brother Hagan, uh, I mentioned him a couple times already tonight. I guess, uh, Barry, you got him, me thinking about him, right? But he used to tell a story about m- many years ago. Um, he, uh, he, I don't, he found himself somewhere, and, and he didn't have any cash on him. And um, I, I always thought about this because I've done this before. You know, go visit somebody in the hospital, park in the parking deck. This is before you could pay with a debit card, credit card. And, you know, you get there to pay the person, you don't have any cash on you. And so what Brother Hagen did is he took a $20 bill, and back in those days, $20 bill would be like a $100 bill. He folded it up real small, and he put it in one of those pockets in his, in his wallet, his billfold, right, outside of that main compartment where he normally kept his money. Because the idea was that, you know, it would be like an emergency fund that he kept with him should he ever find himself in a position where he needed some money and, and, and didn't have any, okay? Only problem is he hid it so well that he forgot about it. And then, I don't know if you guys are like me, um, you know, but I, I tend to wear a wallet out before I change it out. And so it was some years later that he was moving out of his old wallet into his new wallet. And so for the first time in a long time, he went through all his little compartments and he found that $20 bill. And he said he immediately went back to all the different opportunities over the last however many years that he could have used that $20 bill. But what? He was not aware that he had it. It didn't make it any less his. He had that money the whole time. But because he was not aware of it, he didn't benefit from it. Because he, did not, because he was not aware of it, he, he did not have any knowledge of it. He, he never acknowledged that he had it. So he, he would have a need, you know, for that $20 bill. And he's like, well, I just need to go to the bank and get some money out. I don't, I don't. And yet he had it with him the whole time. Do you realize how many, for how many people on God, on, 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 of God's people are like that with so many of the new birth realities? Things that you have right now, but that you've acquired through the new birth, but you have no knowledge of or you have heard about but have never acknowledged, you have no acknowledgement of, you don't recognize it, you don't realize it. It doesn't mean that the $20 bill was any less his or that righteousness is any less yours, but what it does mean is you're not benefiting from things that are in you because you are not acknowledging the things that are in you. Amen? Now, James uh, chapter 1. We, we've looked at and we'll come back around to some of these other verses, but we see some key verses in the Scriptures that talk about the Word of God as a mirror. And that the mirror of the Word shows us things that we cannot see about ourselves any other way. And if you're born again and have never seen those things in the mirror of God's Word, it doesn't make them any less true. I mean, you, you just got a big old hunk of prosperity stuck to your spirit and you don't even see it there. Amen? I mean, you, you, got, you got dominion inside of you to cast out demons and you're running from them. Right? Are you right? Yes, I'm saying. You, you got the Holy Spirit inside of you to, to show you which choice to make and, and, and which direction to go and even tell you things are going to happen before they happen, but you're not even acknowledging Him in there. And so you're missing out on the benefits. So James chapter 1, verse 23, it says, For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, the difference is in the doing. Amen? A hearer of the word and not a doer, 
He's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, amen, that's the Word of God, specifically the New Testament. you got, you got Moses' law in the Old Testament. The perfect law of liberty is the New Testament. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. This one will be empowered in his efforts, empowered by God. So we must acknowledge every good thing that is in us. We must believe every good thing that is in us. We must confess every good thing that is in us. And we must act upon every good thing that is in us. The songs that we sang tonight fall right into this, right? Live like you're loved. Why, do you, why would we live like we're loved? Because we're loved. Walk like we're free. Why would we ever do that? Because we're free. We're acknowledging it. We're believing it. We're confessing it. And now we are acting upon it. Now, he says that there are those who look into the Word of God and they see something about themselves as a born-again man or woman. But the minute they move away from the Word of God... They forget what kind of man the Word of God revealed them out to be and continue to live as if they were somebody else instead of who the Word of God says they are. Come on now, that's important right there. Did I say that well enough? Do I need to say it a few different ways? All right? Look in here and you see, well, well, Shazam, I've been made the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. Right? Put the Bible down you know, uh, zoom through some Netflix or whatever, go to bed, wake up the next morning, and forget all about the Word of God saying that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You just just go about your day like you're anybody else on planet Earth that doesn't know Jesus. That's what he's talking about here. You see things. but, But what about the man or woman who sees it, sees what kind of man they are, and doesn't forget it, but continues in it. See, this is the man that wake up some, wakes up the next morning, you know, driving to work, somebody cuts him off in traffic, and there's a temptation there to get all foul mood and all that stuff. But he remembers, hold on a second. The creator of the universe lives in me. The lover of my soul lives in me. He made me the righteousness of God in him. And so rather than cursing, what do we do? We respond with blessing. We start, we start acting upon the things. That's what it means to continue in it, okay? Now, here's a, here's a really important question that we all need to answer. What kind of man are you? What kind of man are you? Now, you know, we get different answers, and the world has different answers about this, right? Well, he's a man's man, or... He's a considerate man. He's a thoughtful man. He's a hard-working man. She's a, a good mother. You know, we, we come up with all these different characteristics, and I, I'm not saying any of those things are necessarily good or bad. I'm, I guess all, everything I just said was good, all right? But that's, that's, that's not what he's asking here, okay? 
He's talking about what kind of man are you according to the kind of men this perfect law of liberty mirror would reflect back to you. Right? Now, what we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 14 through chapter 3, verse 3. Can y'all hear me okay? Okay. You know, one hand it's like, am I talking too loud? The other hand, am I talking loud enough? All right, so. Amen. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm going to put it up on the screen here. Verse 14. But the natural man, so that's, that's one kind of man, a natural man, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual, that's another kind of man, a natural man. The next one is spiritual. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, spiritual men, but as to carnal. Now, you can make a case either way, but to simplify things, we're going to say carnal is a third kind of man. As to babes in Christ... I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal? Boy, that next phrase is important right there. And behaving like mere men. So mere men would refer to a a man who is natural. So we got, and listen, I, you know, um, what, what's that, uh, natural woman? That's not what we're talking about here, okay? That's a, that's a song from the 70s, all right? That's not what we're talking about, okay? So just to simplify it here, three kinds of men, natural, carnal, spiritual. A natural man has not been born again and therefore has no new birth realities. He has not acquired any new birth realities to be made aware of. He has no new new birth realities in him or herself. And the Bible says that to the natural kind of man, the things of God are foolishness. They make no sense, okay? Maybe you remember when it was like that for you. Or maybe you know somebody, have a relative or what have you, natural man or woman, you try to tell them about the things of God, keep praying for them, keep, keep speaking the word over them, and as the Holy Spirit leads you, keep planting the seeds of God's word in their heart, okay? But to a natural man, the things of God are foolishness. Now, a carnal man is a born-again man, but for the most part, he still thinks like a natural man. And all the new birth realities are his and are in him, but he experiences and enjoys little to none of them. He continues to experience the reality of a mere man even though he no longer is a mere man. A spiritual man is one who has been born again and thinks more and more like someone who has been. A spiritual man sees himself according to the man reflected in the mirror of God's Word. 
He is experiencing and enjoying more and more of the inward new birth realities in his outward expression of life and physical reality. When a natural man looks into the mirror of God's Word, he does not see himself there. A carnal man looks into the mirror of God's Word and sees his true self, but walks away and immediately forgets what he sees. A spiritual man looks in the mirror of God's Word and sees his true self and continues in it, does not forget what he saw, what he saw there, and acts upon it. Am I going too fast for you? I'm giving you a lot of stuff, ain't I? Let's, let me slow down here for a minute. I'm just kind of rattling all this off. Let's go back over it now. Natural man's not born again. He has acquired no new birth reality. He is not righteous. He's lost. He's without hope. Um, unless he turns to the Lord. Okay? Carnal man, on the other hand, this man or woman has been born again. Okay? But for the most part, they still think like someone who has not been, meaning they still see themselves in light of the old person they were instead of seeing themselves in light of the new person they've become. So this man or woman, a carnal man or woman, has every new birth reality inside of him or her that Jesus has, that, that, that a spiritual man or woman has, okay? It's just they have little to know. They've acquired it, but they have, they're not aware of it, or if they are aware, they have not yet acknowledged the good things that are in them. Are you seeing this? Okay? That's a carnal man. Spiritual man has been born again, is thinking more and more like somebody who's been born again, is seeing himself less and less like the person that he was and more and more in light of the new man that he's become and is seeing himself more and more in light of the new birth realities that he looks into the perfect law of liberty and sees. All right. Now, the, um, a carnal man looks into the mirror of God's word sees what kind of man he is, forgets what he sees, goes back to his outward reflection. See, a carnal man doesn't go with what he sees here. A carnal man goes with what he sees when he looks in the mirror in the morning. Are you seeing this? That's the, he continues in what he sees in the mirror. He sees both, sees himself here, sees his outward appearance there. But a carnal man says, well, I saw in the Bible where I'm righteous, but the mirror says I'm not. And so he continues in what the, what the physical mirror tells him, the natural mirror tells him, instead of what the spiritual mirror of God's Word says to him. Yes? Now, I'm, I'm fixing to tell you something that is among the most resistance-surrounded truth in the New Testament. And when I say resistance-surrounded, it's, it's the thing that the devil never wants you to understand as a born-again believer, okay? He never wants you to see, look into the mirror of God's Word and see what you can't see apart from it and continue in this truth, in this new birth reality. And we find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We find it other places, but the one I'm referring to now is supported in other verses, but 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal? And behaving like mere men. 
What's the implication here? He said, you're acting like mere men, and you're not mere men any longer. Now, this word mere, it bears a slide with the definition, okay? Mere means solely. No more or no better than what is specified. Nothing more than only. Okay? <laughs> Sweet Jesus. All right. What do you think about what he's saying here? He's saying, as a born again man, you are no longer a mere man. The mirror of God's word reveals you are no longer a mere man and are actually much more than a mere man. See, religion will tell you that you are no more and you are no better than a man or a woman who has not yet been born again. That you are no different from them, that you are no more than them. And it's really sad, listen to me now, this is, this is what the Holy Spirit's going after, listen to me. I, I, I'm just, I'm telling you, um, and I, I don't, I don't want to sound, well, I, I, am, I do want to say, thank you, Holy, I do want to say, I'm going to say it boldly, alright? It's time for an awakening again in the body of Christ. It's time for an awakening on the same scale, if not a larger scale, than when Martin Luther went and nailed the theses to the door of the church, right? Because what he found in the scriptures were things that were right there in plain black and white that the religious climate of his day had completely ignored or had completely explained away with some type of intellectualism or flesh-induced performance. And he went and he nailed it to the door and he dared to say, the word of God says that we are not saved by works, but we are saved by grace. And if you're not saved by grace, you're not saved. And we take that now for granted, like the church has always believed it. But there was a day where things had devolved to the point in the church where we did not believe this. And, and him declaring that from the scriptures was a protest and that's why we are referred to, those of us who believe that, are still to this day referred to as Protestants. Well, it's time for another protest. It's time to protest religion as normal. It's time to protest a mundane, powerless Christianity. It's time to protest religion explaining away everything that the Bible says we should be seeing and we should be experiencing. And the reason the world looks at the church no different as, as, as the world is because there's not a lot of visible difference for crying out loud. I'm not bashing anybody in here that's been divorced, but listen to me. What does it say when the divorce rate's the same in the church as it is in the world? What does it say when, the, when, when church people are just as depressed and, 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 and dealing with depression as people who never darken the door of a church? In some cases, more depressed because we, we're guilty and ashamed because we shouldn't know better and we're not doing better and blah, 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 blah. It's time for an awakening. The mirror of God's word reveals you're no longer a mere man. 
we, the church has become, the body of Christ has become, become so confused in all of this is that we think we are relating to people by saying, well, you know, just, you're, I'm a man just like you. We're all God's children. The Bible does not teach we are all God's children. The Bible says he came to his own people and his own people rejected him, but to as many as received him, to them he gave the power, the right, and the privilege, the ability, and the honor of becoming children of the Most High God. If you've been born again, you are not a mere man. You are a spirit man. You are a born again man. You are a man in whom the glory of God now dwells. You have become a supernatural man. You are not like every other man who puts his pants on one leg at a time. Listen to me. You are a God man because God lives in you. mirror of God's word reveals you are no longer a mere man, that you are more than a mere man. You are better than a mere man. You are not only a man any longer. Remember, a mirror shows you what you can't see otherwise. You keep looking in the natural mirror, all you're going to see is a mere man staring back at you. You need to find out what this mirror has to say about you. People look into the mirror of God's Word and they see an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus staring back at them. But they walk away and continue to live as if what they saw in the mirror wasn't there. The mirror of God's Word says, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. We look in and see it but most never acknowledge it for themselves. When are you going to acknowledge? When are we going to acknowledge? When is the church going to acknowledge? As Jesus is, so are we in this world. That is a new birth reality. Anybody that's read the New Testament has read that, read that verse. Every time you've read the New Testament, you've read that verse. Do you realize how few people, how minuscule a percentage of the body of Christ has ever even acknowledged the Bible says that? much less embraced it as true about themselves. The mirror of God's Word says, As Jesus is, so are we in this world. We look in and see it, but most never acknowledge it for themselves. Some do acknowledge it, but don't believe it, or think it is a reflection of what they may be one day. Some acknowledge it and believe it uh, for them... uh, believe it is for them, but never act upon it. Meaning what? They never live as if it's true. Second Corinthians chapter five. He just he says this is therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're not a mere man anymore. For a mere man, everything would still be as it was before. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you see that part where He says we regard no one, we regard no one according to the flesh? 
we regard no one according to their outward appearance. That includes you. He's not just saying that you, you shouldn't regard other people according to their outward appearance. He said you should not regard yourself according to your outward appearance. Because a physical mirror can only provide an outward reflection. Jesus, according to this verse, Jesus appeared to be a mere man. But we know He was much more. In the same way as born again men, we appear to be mere men, but we are so much more. Now, Let me tell you where we're going to be if I hadn't said enough already. Remember this verse that we mentioned this in the in the introduction. You got just three minutes, four minutes? Okay. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Do you know Jesus came to this earth in an earthen vessel. If you're going to exist on this planet, you've got to exist in a body that was taken from this planet. That's why he became flesh and dwelt among us. The Lord's given me some really good insight into fully God, fully man. We've tried to make that out to be so hard and so difficult and so impossible to, uh, to understand how could he be it's a divine mystery fully God fully man guess what if you're born again you're fully God fully man you're the body of Christ living in an earthen vessel he was the head of the body of Christ living in an earthen vessel Jesus also had a treasure in his earthen vessel Every miracle Jesus performed, every sermon He preached, every healing He produced, every deliverance from demonic forces, all of those things that you see Jesus do in the pages of the four Gospels. Listen to me. Everything you see Him do, guess what it was? It was an outward expression of His inward reality. Amen. Pastor Mark, what's this big deal about the outward expression of an inward reality? It's the model. Jesus modeled it for us. So the first miracle, John chapter 2 verse, and I'm going to finish here. John chapter 2 verse 11, he turned the water into wine. The New King James Version says this beginning of signs. Now I put that word miracles in parentheses because the King James Version says miracles. Okay, But the New King James Version translates it signs. This beginning of signs, this beginning of miracles, first miracle Jesus did on the earth as a man. He did it in Cana of Galilee, and notice what happened to, to, to make this miracle happen. And manifested His glory. The King James Version says He manifested it forth. What does it mean to manifest something? It means to reveal what was previously hidden. To show and make visible what was previously invisible and 
could, wasn't shown, so to speak. Okay. And manifested His glory, and His disciples believed in Him. Stand with me tonight. John 17. What was I? What, 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 what would you say if I was to tell you the perfect law of liberty in John 17 says, the glory that was in Jesus that was manifested that day in Cana and thousands of times after that during His earthly ministry was then given to you and me by Jesus before He left this earth. Verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 22, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. This might be the strongest new birth reality we've, we've talked about yet. But the glory that turned the water into wine that day is now in you. It's in you. Now you, you can laugh at me. You can say, I don't know what that means, Pastor Boy. My, my preacher explained that to me. I don't remember exactly what he said, but it made sense to me, and so that's what I'm going with it. You say all you want to. You're going to get to heaven one day. You're going to find out. That glory been in you ever since the day you called upon the name of the Lord to be saved. The same glory that raised Lazarus from the dead. Remember what he said? Did I not tell you if you would believe in me, you would see the glory of God today? It was a manifestation of his glory, raised a man, his flesh had already begun to decay in that hot Judean hillside. Raised him from the dead by the glory of God. And that glory is in you and me right now. And he wants out of us, Donald. He wants out of us. Manifest forth from us. Anybody else acknowledge? I acknowledge it too, brother. In me right now, I acknowledge it. I can't look in my bathroom mirror and see it quite as clearly as I'm going to see it and, and, and am seeing it more and more. It's in me right now in Jesus' name. Praise the name of the living God. Praise the name of the living God. Praise the name of the living God. The word of the Lord came to my brother Donald a, a few weeks ago that he shared it with me. He said, Father is generous with his glory. Go tell it. <laughs> Ooh, generous. Generous. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, an awakening. An awakening. Lord, the, the, the answers religion tries to give us about these things, they, 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 they don't satisfy because they're not the truth. doesn't bear witness. Father, as, as implausible and as outlandish 
as some of these things may seem to some people who are watching online or listening to me right now in this room. Father, there, there's still something inside of us. Lord, when my brother, when my brother cried out a while ago, I acknowledged that. Lord, it's, it was like a shotgun went off inside of me, Lord. Amen. Because, because Father, it's, it's, it's true. It's true. And your Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that it's true. Oh, devil, we bind you in Jesus' name. You liar. You father of lies. My father's truth sends you running now. In Jesus' name. Father, please help us. Holy Spirit, please help us. Don't, don't, don't let us catch a glimpse of this in the mirror and forget it before the sun comes up in the morning, Father. Help us, Lord. Help us, Father, realize that we, we have a power in us that, 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 that didn't originate, Lord, in our own strength and ability. But, Lord, it, it came straight from, from you, Lord. You put your name in us. You put your name in us, Lord. Whew. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, praise God. Amen, 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 amen. Meditate on these things. Listen to me now. Meditate on these things. You can't just, you can't just hear something and then fill your mind up with a whole bunch of other stuff. Meditate on it. As the Lord whispers things to you about it, care enough about it to write it down. See, he's looking for stewards. He's wanting to reveal mysteries to you. But if he shows you something and you just, oh, that's pretty cool, but, you know, whatever, um, Let's see if I can find some oldies and goldies on Foreigner on here. Oh, here's Foreigner. Yeah, no, no, no. No, when he speaks something to you like that, write it down. Ask him more about it. Father, show it to me in your word. Now show it to me somewhere else in your word. Now show me what it has to do with something else in your word. He's teaching you. He's spirit of truth. He's leading you and guiding you. Man, when he... See, it's one thing when you hear it from somebody else, and that's important. But man, when he starts speaking to you about it, what's that? You got to see it for yourself? See, I'm up here. I'm like, mirror, mirror, do you see it? Do you see it? But man, when you start looking, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, right there you are. Then you call somebody up and you try to, you text them, whatever you try to tell them, and they're like, yeah, okay, cool. Um, did you hear about the runoff election for Senate? You know, so. Amen. All right. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus.